Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech Service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter Chris Franklin. Today we're going to to discuss the Eagles 12th overall pick should they trade back again what about trading up into the top 10 plus our six prospects who we think could be the pick Chris how you doing today hey I'm doing well man I'm excited the draft's almost here and it's, I, I know for you you love you love the draft and I love as well too breaking down these prospects and checking around checking out what this team can do so man, I'm excited I mean how are you doing you know I'm well. Can't complain. Um, you know, we, this is like a time of year where like there's so much BS that's thrown out, and you'll notice if you follow if you follow us. Um, I don't put out a lot of draft rumors because typically once it gets to April, just a little bit of inside baseball. If it's being thrown out in April, it's probably not true. Like that's normally the cutoff for me. So. I take in what I hear, I use it to shape some analysis, but really, I'm not biting for that stuff. There's a lot of people in our industry that really like take it with for what it is. Some people take it with a grain of salt and 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 put out like disclaimers. That's not what we're gonna do because I don't think that really serves the the listener very well. What we will talk about is our own research, what we've been able to um, see and collect ourselves as well as, provide you guys with analysis that you guys totally can respond to. We want your feedback. Make sure you give us five-star ratings and comments and questions. You can sign up for Eagles Extra at nj.com slash text. Provide a lot of feedback during the draft. Chris is going to be monitoring that text thread and giving you guys exclusive analysis. Um, And it's going to be a really good time. We do our Q&As exclusively on Eagles Extra uh, every Friday at noon. But as a special for the draft, Thursday uh, Thursday at noon, we're going to be doing another exclusive Q&A right as we get ready for the first round. So uh, make sure you sign up for that. Um, if you really enjoy the podcast, there's more of us to be shared on the text app. Um, but yeah, I mean, Chris, this is the time of year that's really, really fun. And you know, we always like to be honest with our audience, obviously. Uh, most years, I would start my draft work around uh, Thanksgiving or the, or the week after Thanksgiving. This year, since the Eagles have had so much going on with between the, um, uh, you know, the coach firings and the coaching search and everything, it's put a damper on that. So this is like one of the first drafts where I'm kind of coming in, not cold, I, I've watched about 35 players, but like like legitimately studied 35 players, watch some other guys, but like coming in, this is, uh, there's going to be a lot of new names. It's going to be a lot of uncertainty. So I'm a lot like these NFL teams who have incomplete evaluations on these guys. Cause either they skipped last year for an opt out. Uh, they didn't have a con, you know, there was no combine. There were no in-person interviews. So, you know, we talk about how COVID's impacted everything. 
Um, it's also impacted my draft study quite significantly because typically in most years I do about 150 to 250 players. This year we're hovering around like the 35 range. So where are you at? This is going to be your first like true off season covering the draft. What have you enjoyed kind of from afar? Uh, what research have you done? What, what, what should fans know about the analysis you're going to bring to draft weekend? Well, one thing I've like I've really, really enjoyed doing. I mean, so you spend so much time, especially in our in our in our line of work, what we do, we just look at the pro game. I think when you start to get the chance to see what's going on, not only just with these players talent-wise, but you start to see more and more of these schemes that a lot of these colleges are starting to do and in, in, in the route concepts and and the different systems they're starting to implement. And it's fun to see what could be coming in the future to the NFL. So I really that's one thing I really like to enjoy. I've been looking as much, uh, a lot of it's YouTube, a lot of it's going on and uh, watching ESPNU, a lot of it's trying to go ahead and try to find some of those uh, instant classic games that you start to see from the last season, trying to see how some of these guys did and, and they matched up. So I've been trying to piece all of that together to try to get as best of a picture you can, because, you know, uh, right now with this whole COVID thing, like you're, like you're saying, it's tough. And and the one thing I wish that, that I hope that we're able to do in the future when everything is back to normal or normal-ish is you get to go to the pro days in person because I think you get to see a lot more what these prospects can bring not only physically but what they're like as a person I think you start to see you get the vibe of what a guy goes like see how he can possibly fit into a team like is he basically there or not in passion stuff like that so that's one thing that's it's rough that we can't do right now but I think that in the future that'll be great. But I, 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 just, I love this thing because you start to try to fit in these pieces and see, okay, this person goes here, this person can play this position. That's one of the joys I love trying to trying to see how a player fits and how a player would fit in with the Eagles. Yeah, you bring up pro days. Uh, you know, throughout my beat writing career, I used to go on pro day tours and. Um, when I was covering the Jaguars for three years, the Jaguars drafted a player from every pro day I went to, um, my first pro day tour covering the Eagles, uh, they drafted two guys from Penn state and I went to that pro day as well. So I had a good streak going last year. COVID kind of stopped my ability to go to pro days this year. I obviously didn't get to go, but right now I was on a four year streak of no matter what pro day I went to, um, at least somebody was going to get drafted from it. So I felt good about that. Um, and for those who don't know, prior to becoming a beat writer, I was a draft analyst for several years. So um, this is a weekend that's kind of close to my heart. It's it's what I like to do. I think it's something that we do at NJ.com as well, if not better than any other local um group because we take it very seriously there's tons of content you're going to get every you know angle of these picks from from you know immediate takeaways right after the picks made to uh scouting reports accumulated from the best in the business to uh grades immediate reaction columns everything so um we really appreciate you guys coming on this journey with us if you're reading our content on nj.com as well as listening to us on the No Huddle Show podcast. We'll obviously have a No Huddle Show episode next Friday, um, recapping everything. We're also going to have one on Wednesday to preview the draft as well. So uh, we're going to bring you guys a lot of content. And then Monday, once the draft and undrafted free agency concludes, we'll also have stuff there. So let, let's get into the content of the show. Um, 
I hate podcasts that tell you too much about what's going on in advance and kind of recap and boast their own stuff. But uh, let's get into look. The Eagles pick 12th. Um, we've talked about the trade back several times. We've talked about their needs several times. Right now, they're in really good position to either trade back into the top 10 or even trade back if they wanted to accumulate more value. Um, it should be noted that the 2022 draft from everyone I've talked to in the industry is viewed as like a like a golden goose year because this year, as I've mentioned before, has a really incomplete evaluation process. And that leads to kind of a, as I'm, I'm labeling it, a minefield of mistakes because you don't know about these guys' character. You don't know about their athleticism. You don't, you know, you might be missing a year of evaluation. So 2022 is really seen as this like, means to an end sort of draft because hopefully we'll have a full college season. There'll be a combine again. There'll be pro days at their full, you know, mark. Um, And so people are going to, teams are going to value 2022 draft picks if they trade back in this draft. And the Eagles have already traded for two 2022 picks, obviously getting the conditional second round pick from the Carson Wentz trade. And then, um, you know, getting the 2022 first round pick from the Dolphins and their trade back. So, that might entice the Eagles to trade back again. I don't think they will trade back unless uh, pretty much the top corners and the top wide receivers are off the board. Um, There is a possibility that 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 happens, but I don't really see it. I think they're more likely to trade back up into the top 10. I also think if they don't do that and they stay at 12, I think they're very likely to trade up into the back of the first round. But that's not what we're talking about here. What should they do? Not what will they do? Um, Chris, should they trade up into the top 10? Should they stay put at 12 and then maybe trade back in at the bottom of the first round? Should they keep all their 11 draft picks? What should they do? I think unless they unless they know they can go ahead and go around somewhere around eight or nine and get a shutdown corner, a potential shutdown corner like Sertain, just sit tight and and just use that pick for what they have right now. I would, I'd be hesitant to move too far back again because I know there's so, so much uncertainty when it comes to a lot of these draft picks, given everything you mentioned beforehand. But moving back too much, you have to start a question like how good of a player are you going to get at that spot? And do you project that person to be – a starting caliber player for the next five years. And, and once you start moving back, like moving back and, and just looking the way this board is setting up right now, I just have a few, I, I just wouldn't, I would stay away from that. I still think at 12, if you stand pat, you still could get a couple guys, especially at the corner receiver position that can go ahead and be beneficial. And I even think, I know, I know it's not going to go to be surprised to talk about offensive linemen a lot. I still think there's a couple offensive linemen, that they would be able, be able to help this team out for the, the long term. So I probably wouldn't, if anything, if anything, I wouldn't move too far back. I wouldn't, if, unless I'm getting another first round pick and only have to give up three, three, move down three spots, which would probably never happen. I'm, I'm staying at 12 and just go ahead and, and pick and see who's there. How about you? Well, I wrote earlier this week that I think there's only four guys that are worth trading up for. Okay. And even then I'm only trading up to, to probably eight, uh, which would cost me a third round pick. Uh, one of the two. Um, and those four players would be Justin Fields, the quarterback from Ohio state tight end Kyle Pitts from Florida, 
wide receiver Jamar Chase from LSU, and then Alabama corner Patrick Sertan. So here's my thinking here. Fields, maybe they didn't think they could get him at six, but I think the value of him at nine um, kind of, you know, you're not just looking at drafting a quarterback. You're looking at drafting a quarterback and getting a 2022 first round pick as, as the value for number six. And I think that might entice the Eagles who are obsessed with quarterbacks. Um, Kyle Pitts, I think is a generational talent at tight end. If they can get a first 22 <laughs> first round pick and Kyle Pitts at eight, you'd gladly give up that third round pick. Um, And then you look at Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase is the best wide receiver in this class. And I have no problem saying that. I think he's exactly what they need. Uh, The same could be said, you know, them getting uh, somebody at, you know, like Jamar Chase at eight would be amazing. Here's my thing with Sertan. If Sertan's the top defensive player on your board and you can make sure you grab him, I think jumping the Cowboys makes sense. Um, you look at what this division's been able to do and, uh, it has really beefed up on wide receiver talent. This is a very good wide receiver class. If you wanted to trade back into the back of the first round, you could do so even after trading up in to get Sertan. I just think they really need cornerback help. You can talk about how Darius Slay is still a number one corner, but he's also 30 and you have literally no one else. So... That's where my outlook is. If you stay at 12, I don't think you're getting Sertan, but maybe you luck into somebody like J.C. Horn, who I think is an incredible talent, but he's a lot of upside. Uh, I think Sertan's got a very high floor, and you can feel good about him the second you pick him. Uh, So let's kind of get into that. Um, You know, the Eagles will have options at 12. I think you and I have found each three guys that we – we think will either a be there or B make sense at 12. And so you and I are going to go kind of back and forth. So my first guy that I have is the aforementioned Patrick Sertan. Now, the only way that happens is if the Cowboys trade up probably to try to get Kyle Pitts. Um, I think that's basically the only way that happens or if they trade up to get him. Uh, I think Sertan's the cleanest prospect on defense that I've watched this year. Um, And I think he makes a lot of sense for a zone scheme. He seems very, very smart. Uh, He's obviously got the NFL bloodlines. I just think that it makes a ton of sense. He'd be the the top guy on my board if Chase, Pitts, and Fields are off the board. Uh, Who do you got for your first guy? For my first guy, and I've been high on him for a while now, I still go with Devonta Smith. I think when you look at the way that this Eagles receiver core is currently constructed and just the the way they played last season, I you don't see a lot of guys that are able to get separation or run precise routes. And I think when you look at Smith, he's able to do both of those things. And that's one of the reasons I wanted, I was curious. That's why I asked during a press conference earlier this week. Uh, I asked Nick, I asked Nick Sirianni about what he valued in an X receiver. And, there's a lot of people talking about Jamar Chase, and I think with the Eagles trading back to 12, like you mentioned, he he won't be available, I think, at that spot because I think there's a couple teams that would jump on the chance of, of of taking him. So when you start to look at who would be available at that at 12 and who would be able to basically fit the need of an X, he, he's able to do that. He's able to go ahead and get that separation. He's able to go ahead and 
it may it has enough of a, has enough moves at the line of scrimmage to go ahead and break free and not be sucked up by the press. And I know a lot of people are worried about his weight and his overall size, but it basically if he's able to go ahead and get that separation and get off the line, that that that's what it have to battle. I mean, you got six for three guys, six for two guys that are struggling with that. If anybody, if even if a guy is six feet and one hundred sixty six pounds can go ahead and break open and, and create that separation to help out Hurts, I think that's that's something to look at. So I definitely go Devonta Smith as one of the picks. Who's your next guy? JC Horn. I think this guy's special. I think that he still needs to be taught a little bit, but the dude is so aggressive. His ball skills are developing. He's obviously got the NFL bloodlines. He's the son of Joe Horn. Um, but what I like about him is he kind of like suffocates wide receivers. Like he's not going to give you anything. If you catch a pass, you're going down almost immediately. Uh, I think he's perfect for his own defense. I think he brings the right edge to the secondary. Look, this secondary is being rebuilt, and Anthony Harris is here on a one-year deal. Uh, Rodney Cloud's entering the final year of his deal. We still don't know what Kayvon Wallace is. Uh, Darius Slay is on the the back is is entering the twilight of his career. I guess you could say they need somebody who a young guy who can bring some swagger and some you know, competitiveness to this back end for the next 10 years. Like they need a foundational corner and they've had a lot of luck with uh, SEC corners in the past. You look at uh, Lito Shepard and Sheldon Brown, Sheldon Brown, who I think is maybe the most underrated player of the Andy Reid era. Uh, look, I think JC Horn, JC Horn might be my favorite player in, in this draft. Uh, I really, he's exactly what you want in a corner. He's ridiculously athletic. He's ridiculously, uh, built he's got a lot of swagger and a lot of confidence and i think he's going to be a really special player i know there are people that are all over the board with this guy but if you get him at 12 you feel pretty good about him especially combined with that 2022 first round pick who's your second guy first off i agree i think he's a good good thing but my second guy i'm sticking with the wide receiver position i'm going to look at jalen waddle i think you you look at the potential of a home run hitter i think waddle gives you that ability and when you have enough guys with speed, and it, speed just creates problems, especially with these defensive back, defensive backs the way it is right now. So when you have another guy who you have to scheme about and worry about, hey, you know, if we go, if if the Eagles go ahead and throw a quick screen to him, and you worry about him possibly taking it seventy yards for a touchdown, it just creates more issues when it comes to when it comes to defensive coordinators. You can go ahead if we, we've seen. That bend motion where he basically you can go in the slot, he goes behind the uh, running back, and then he just throw the ball right that way too, almost effective like a, a kick return. So and he's able to be explosive as well too. He's got good hands. Still, I think I still think he has a little bit to go when it comes to uh, when his uh, route running. But I think when you look at the having a guy like Nick Sirianni who's a detailed in that aspect of of the position, I think he can go ahead and help him out. And I'm, I know I mentioned kick returning before. He's a he's a good kick returner and. When's the last time that you felt really comfortable seeing an explosive person back there for the Eagles? So he can go ahead and fill two different two different needs at two different positions with one pick. So Waddle's definitely a guy I would be highly interested in. So my last guy is Rashawn Slater from Northwestern. This dude is athletic. He's clean as a blocker. A lot of people are projecting him to be a guard, and I don't think that's a problem. Um, <clears throat> when you look at the way that this offensive line is currently constructed, so you have Andre Dillard and Jordan Mailata competing at left tackle. 
You've got Isaac Sayamalu, who's at left guard. You've got Jason Kelsey, who's contemplated retirement several times at center, who's probably entering either the final year of his career or the second to second to the penultimate, you could call it, uh, year of his career. You've got Brandon Brooks who's coming off three major injuries over the span of like a year. Um, and then you've got right tackle Lane Johnson, who just underwent surgery again on his ankle. Um Really, the only backup that I have a lot of confidence in is Jack Driscoll, who I thought showed a lot of potential filling in for Lane Johnson at right tackle. I also think he can play left guard and right guard if called upon. They like Nate Herbig. Uh, he had some stuff behind the scenes that kind of, you know, from a practice standpoint, from a, an injury standpoint, that led to him getting benched. I don't think Matt Pryor will make this roster. Uh and they like Luke Jurigo, who's a backup center, but I think that's kind of his ceiling. So when you look at Rashawn Slater, I think he can be a guy who can come in right away and be your ultimate fifth lineman or your ultimate sixth lineman. He's your sixth man. He's going to play wherever somebody gets injured. He also gives you an opportunity to have a really dy- a premium swing tackle. You can let Melata and, and Andre Dillard battle it out. Um, but eventually when Jason Kelsey retires, you can move him into left guard, move Isaac Samalo to center, or if Jordan Melata and Dillard stink up the joint, you can move him to left tackle. If Lane Johnson gets injured and you move on from him, you can move him to right tackle. He just allows you to do a lot of things. There are people that think he can play center. So he's your ultimate sixth man this year. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, geez, that's, you know, pretty high capital to pay for for uh, an offensive lineman. But remember, this is a long-term rebuild. And so if you're looking at the play here, you know, he's kind of a guy who who is that, like, trump card of, look, you don't have to rush him in. Andre Dillard's obviously been a bust so far. Maybe you trade him once you draft Slater, although that would cost them cap space. Um you want him to play right away, but I don't even know if that's the right move. Maybe you do play him right away at left tackle and Melata becomes your premium swing tackle. And that's just it. But a lot of people are worried about his length. Uh, I think he has 33 inch arms, just kind of, you know, not, not appealing, but let's say they put him at left tackle um, for a year. See what he's got. If he doesn't work out, then you move him into left guard you feel good about his versatility, unlike Dillard, who's really a left tackle only, uh, or at least that's how he's been sold, I guess, or the, the excuses or whatever you want to call it. Um, so I get, I would understand why they would go Rashawn Slater, especially after they had that turnstile of injuries uh, the past few years. So uh, that's my final guy. Who's your final guy? Well, this team used to have a philosophy of building along the lines, and you went on the offensive side, I'm going to go on the defensive side. And I think, I want to go with Quiddy Pay, and I think this could be a, a a selection, just in case, say Horn and Sertain are off the board, because the best way I think to mask issues in the secondary is to basically increase your pass rush and just make things and give quarterbacks hell. I think when you look at Pay, I think he has the quickness and he has the power to be real a really really good defensive end. And given that when you look at you have Brandon Graham getting older. Josh Sweat, Josh Sweat is been a good defensive end in the pass rush, but he's had some injury concerns over time. I think if you add pay to this defensive end stable, I think you go ahead and give yourself a little bit more of a cushion, and you can have a guy that can be able to be the cornerstone of your defensive line for years to come. 
I think especially when you look at the value added on edge rushers, he may not he he I think that'll be a good spot even at twelve to go ahead and pick him because I think there'll be a run, I think, a little bit later on. I wouldn't be surprised if some people go ahead and pick it up because that's one of the things up there with wide receivers with cornerbacks and the edge rushers in this draft are gonna be there's gonna be a run of them and I think he's gonna be in the middle of it because he's that good. So given the power that he has, given the speed and the quickness, I think he would fit into Jonathan Gannon's defense very nicely. Yeah, and so let's talk about Slater and Pay because we've talked a lot about the corners and wide receivers uh, to give the audience a little understanding. So Quiddy Pay came out and absolutely like lit his pro day on fire. Uh, really put a lot of like media attention on him. He's got a career uh, numbers of 11 and a half sacks. That's not really that appealing for a four-year player. But also remember that he, I believe he started playing football pretty late in high school. Michigan typically doesn't have that guy that produces a ton of sacks. If you, if you remember Rashawn Gary, um, he's a guy who's like kind of this athletic piece, but he's so good against the run. So good. Um, I've seen some people say that he's one of the, the best run defenders they've seen at the college level in a really long time. And that's important because when you're, when you're in a zone defense, you better make sure that your guys up front can stop the run. Because if you have linebackers in coverage and there's an RPO, you need to be able to, to kind of um, mitigate the damage if somebody bites. And so I think he makes a lot of sense there. He's young. I think he's nothing but upside because of his athleticism. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'm with you on that, Chris. Let's talk about Rashawn Slater a little bit, though. What, what value do you give a guy who's not really an NF, built like an NFL left tackle, but he clearly has the upside to be a pretty good uh, tackle for a couple of years and then really stick to, to guard kind of in a Robert Gallery kind of way? Well, I think it's, I think. For me, I I think a lot of a lot of stuff is put on the like on the size, like the weight of a guy. I just look at I think the athleticism, especially his feet, are more important than when it comes to like the overall weight. I think, especially when you look at the the, the way that a lot of these defensive ends are able to move and the way they're able to bend and get around the the outside edge, you're going to need guys to go ahead and, and able to use their feet to get out on the outside and go ahead and stop that. And you're also given the increase in in those rpos and give the increase on those screens you need a guy that can go out there quickly and get out in space and go down not only to get the one initial block in there but potentially run be able to run down the field and get guys at the second level like a linebacker or a safety so i think when you look at a guy like like slater i think that's very important as his speed and athleticism even if he is like around like 300 304 pounds is important and guys like that you don't find as much and and I agree. Like I would, if he's at twelve, I would seriously have to consider taking him because, given that this uh, offensive line is getting older, you need guys who are able to go out there, get in the space, and get out and be able to block. So, he he has the potential to go ahead. He has a lot of value to that offensive line. And I mean, if if you do have to shift over, say Kelsey does retire, you have to shift over, say Umalo to center. I think I, I wouldn't be adverse to having him as the left guard going forward. I think that's that's a good slot for him if he's available and the Eagles decide to go in that direction. Yeah, I mean, look, 
he's a guy who ran a four eight eight forty at three hundred and four at six foot four and three hundred and four pounds. Now, a lot of people are going to say <laughs> it matters about his 10, 10 yard split. I agree, uh, but we don't really have concise numbers there. To give you a background on Slater, uh, he started eleven games at left tackle as a junior. He opted out this past year. Um, but prior to his junior year, he started 26 consecutive games at right tackle. So, you know, he has the versatility on the outside, but his body type, like think about how many like pulls you're going to be able to pull off with a guy this athletic, right? Um, he's also the son of a former New Jersey Nets power forward, Reggie Slater, who had a cup of coffee in the Meadowlands. Uh, he bounced around from team to team, but he's got that athletic background and, you know, while a lot of analysts are projecting him to be a guard, it's hard to imagine the Eagles selecting him in the top 20 without viewing him as a foundational left tackle. Do you agree? Well, see, I think you go ahead and I, I, I think you, it's still a lot of value to still have somebody on the interior and in, in, in the interior. I would even at taking a 12, I wouldn't be averse to putting him in, getting him a guard. I mean, look at what they did with Jermaine Mayberry. I know he was down in the 20s, but. He was still able to go ahead and contribute and actually made a Pro Bowl. So having a guy like that, it, in your interior line, especially with how big these defensive tackles are, you have guys like Aaron Donald in the middle there, and you need to go ahead and block him, block him as well too. Because the worst thing you can do is for a quarterback is to see he have pressure. You can't step up in the pocket or move around. So I think I know tackle, left tackle is the most important position on the offensive line, but you do need a guy in the you do need guys in the middle that are able to block. And if you can get a high quality guard that's able to go in and contribute for a long period of time. I still think there's a whole lot of value on there as well, too. I think that especially when he, the left tackle is the most important, I'd probably say center second. I'd probably say that left guard is third. But So I definitely, if he's available, I wouldn't, even if you take him in high, I still I still wouldn't have any reservations putting him at guard. So I disagree with that ranking completely, but um, <laughs> not a surprise. So my philosophy on offensive <laughs> linemen, um, I never pay a garden free agency. On the rare occasion, there's somebody uh, who is not only playing at a Pro Bowl level, but has upside, somebody like Brandon Brooks in 2016. That makes sense to me. But I'm never paying a left guard, ever. Not ever. Never. Left guard, to me, is the least important position on the offensive line. Right? It, it goes left tackle, right tackle, right guard, center, left guard to me. Um, right guard is so important because of the run game and everything seems to sway towards that side. Uh, right tackle is just important as left tackle, in my opinion. But here's the thing. You know, everybody remembers the Danny Watkins pick and Danny Watkins was a tackle in college. They moved to guard. A lot of people act like guard is so much easier to play than tackle. It, it's not. And just moving doesn't make a lot of sense. Like we saw... Andre Dillard moved to right tackle. He pretended like he was on an alien planet. Some guys who have <laughs> never played the position before, which Rashawn Slater has never done that. He's a projection to move into guard. We don't know if he's going to play very, as well as we project him to be there. So to take him at 12, only to move him into guard, from an outside perspective, I don't really think that that's logical. From a value standpoint, I'd understand why they do it. Um... I also think whoever they pick at 12 really needs to play right away. As much as I'd understand them having, as I mentioned before, the the ideal sixth man for a year. Um, and I think the best spot to put him in a competition would be with Jordan Milata and Andre Dillard. And there is a lot of confusion 
about what's going to happen at left tackle, right? Because, you know, you look at uh, Dillard, he started four games, didn't play all that well on either side of the line, uh, if we're being honest. Then he misses an entire year. I just don't know if he's the guy. I think maybe he might need a fresh start and you trade him in June where you can save money. Or you, maybe you trade him in the draft after you've drafted somebody like uh, Elijah Vera Tucker or Christian Darishaw or, or or Slater. Um, but then you have Melata, who who has done a lot of really nice things. But do you know if you really want him to be your full-time starting left tackle? I think if the Eagles felt like he was the guy, they would have extended him right now because they could extend him on the cheap. He's entering the final year of his deal. Um, and really, he's kind of in a prove-it year, right? So uh, that's why I would kind of say, look, try Rashawn Slater out at left tackle. If he bombs, you can always move him into left guard and you have Jordan Melata. So that's kind of what my thinking is um, as far as that goes. You also don't know how Brandon Brooks is going to react. Obviously, he's a freak. He, he looks great at uh, recovering and everything like that, and he's always a fast recovery guy. Uh, you also don't know how Lane Johnson's going to recover from the ankle surgery. So, I mean, I think you've got a lot of spots to put Slater at, but I think right off the bat, if you're not drafting him with the idea that he can play left tackle right away – I think you're kind of wasting some of your goods and, and negating a potential corner or wide receiver. Um, Chris, we're, 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 we're kind of running out of time, but uh, for your final thoughts, what's the position that no one's really talking about that you think needs to be addressed in the first three days? Well, one thing, the position I really, really feel they have to go is I know they've really revamped that linebacker core, but they seriously need another guy to stick that that could potentially stick around. And especially I think uh, at the middle linebacker position, I think if you go, they need to find a guy who could potentially be a three down backer. I don't know. That can go ahead and is actually good in coverage. Cause I think when you look at TJ Edwards, he's a guy who's really good against the run, but teams started to figure that out and they started throwing more on first and second down. And he became sort of a liability. I really like his game, but he he just has issues in coverage. So a lot of people are talking about the the outer edge of the offense and the outer edge of defense. They have to – and this team doesn't really value that linebacker position, but they really do have to address and, and find a good middle linebacker that will be able to help out in coverage, especially if you're going to run that zone and you're going to say the Tampa 2 or the cover 2, you're going to need a middle linebacker that just – hauls back to the middle of that zone and is able to go ahead and stick with some tight ends or the running back decides who wants to go run a Texas route or run across the middle of the field. So you got to get a guy that's able to do that and, and stick with them. So I hope they find a, a a middle linebacker that's able to do it. It seems like the, Sean Bradley was able – like he's still more of a run guy as well too, and I don't know what they're thinking about doing with him. But if, if they don't feel comfortable with either one of them, then – uh, they'd have to address it once again with one of the top three picks, man. What about you? Yeah, I completely agree. Unless they view Eric Wilson or Davian Taylor as a guy who has that, they both have the athleticism to do it, but unless they feel comfortable with them moving back and they're playing a Tampa two or a cover two, you, you, you've got to have that middle linebacker, like you said, that can, can kind of flow in space. And I, I think that Alex Singleton's better off on the outside. I, I think Sean Bradley's better off on the outside. Um, so that, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with linebacker. Uh, safety, I still think needs work because you look at Rodney McLeod, he's coming off his second ACL surgery in I think three years. 
Uh, he's probably going to start this season on Pup. Uh, you've got Anthony Harris back there. I think he's terrific. I think he was a, a home run signing for them, especially at $5 million. He's probably going to play free safety with McLeod out um, and probably going to make a lot of the calls in that in that back end. Uh, but we don't really know what Kayvon Wallace is. I think Marcus Epps played better than a lot of people kind of give him credit for. Um, so I think those will be the three safeties at the top of the board, like at the top of the depth chart heading into the draft. Um, and I think Marcus Epps is going to get a lot of playing time, whether people like that or not, even if they draft somebody high. But I really think on day two, they should try to land somebody like a Richie Grant from UCF, uh, a guy who can be a long-term free safety because Obviously, Rodney McLeod's entering the final year of his deal, coming off a couple of ACL surgeries. Um, Anthony Harris is 30 and on a one-year deal. You need a guy who can be a long-term free safety. And I like Kayvon Wallace a lot, but I actually think he's better off playing at strong safety because of his aggressiveness and his size. So uh, I think looking at the free safety market is really important. I think they really need to look at strong safety as well. But safety to me is a big deal, Um, especially when you're playing zone. You need guys that can flow and pick up pick up spots when cornerbacks tag off. And I just think you need a guy with range. Um, so I think that third round, fourth round is is kind of a nice range to get a guy uh, who can go back there and compete with Kayvon Wallace and Anthony Harris and Rodney McLeod and Marcus Epps and Graylin Arnold and all those guys. So that's where I'm at. But guys, uh, we really appreciate you joining us for this pre-pre-show to the draft. Um, we wanted to make sure we got a podcast this week since we were off last week. Uh, make sure you give us five-star reviews. And and de- if you're new to the program, download us or, or subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, give us feedback. Give us YouTube comments. We want your feedback. And remember, you can sign up for Eagles Extra at nj.com slash text. We do exclusive Q&As. You'll get news and information prior to it hitting social media. Um, we love to do the back and forth with you guys. So make sure you sign up. It's two weeks free so you can enjoy the draft for free, get all the content and then go from there. Uh, for Chris, I'm Mike. We'll see you next week.